Well, this morning, let's turn in our Bibles to James, uh, the book of James, chapter 1. Dr. James, chapter 1. Now, uh, the Lord uh, kind of put on my heart to speak on joy here the next, over the next few weeks, but um, the book of James is, uh, I really enjoy the book of James, mainly when everything is going really well for me. I like to read the book of James. Uh, you should also read it when things are not going very well. But I like to read it because, to me, it kind of admonishes you, and you feel like, ah, you know, things are going pretty good. I'm getting this down. And then you read the book of James, and you say, oh, I could do a little better. <laughs> so James chapter 1, uh, we'll start with verse 1. James, the servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brother, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or tests and trials, knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. Uh, one translation, I think it's Berkeley's translation uh, of uh, verse 2 says, count it maximum joy. So not like minimum joy, but maximum joy. Uh, so sometimes you say like, well, I'm going through a test and I'm going through a trial. And, um, you know, it'd be fun if you're a preacher to get up here and just say every time that you were successful and only relate those examples. And then people would be like, oh, you're so amazing. Um, Jesus is amazing. <laughs> so uh, this weekend... My, uh, we were taking my kids, we homeschooled them, so we were going to do a field trip on Friday. We did a field trip to do uh, a rocket launch at Wallops Space Center over on the eastern shore, where it's actually southern, uh, far eastern Virginia, just on the Delmarva Peninsula. And uh, so we went, and uh, you know, as things go, you got to watch the weather, so we watched the weather. The weather looked good, and um, we were on our way, and then once we got there, I looked on the Facebook update, and they said, you know what? The weather's good, but the waves are bad. So they're not going to launch the rocket because this was a suborbital rocket. They're going to go up and then come back down and recover the parts. And it was a test, some tests that they were running. And uh, so we're there, but uh, the kids, you know, for years have watched the movie called Misty. It's based on a true story. It's uh, about the uh, Chicateague and Assateague Island over there. And Assateague Island is all wildlife and uh, very well known for uh, wild ponies that live there. And so every July, they go and they'll have this pony swim, and they'll have the ponies, when the tide's down, they'll swim across the channel from Assateague to Chicateague, and then they have like a big carnival and sell the ponies and stuff like that. So uh, we'd watch that movie uh, for over years with the kids, and so we went to the island, and we got to see... Um, a lot of wildlife and ponies, and it was really good. So I, incidentally, I took it as an opportunity to teach my kids a lesson that morning, and so we, we taught a little, I taught them a little lesson on faith. And uh, so at the end, we just prayed, you know, that we'd get to see some ponies up close and stuff. And so we go, and we're looking at the ponies, and they're like, I don't know, 200 yards away, you know, out in the thing. We went to the visitor center. This is where they're at, you know, so we're driving around. We see them, and um, then we went to the beach, and um, it's right on the Atlantic there, 
And so uh, played on the beach, and the kids got their shoes and pants soaking wet in the cold ocean water and had a blast, and uh, it was a good time. And then uh, we're getting ready to drive out, and I said to my wife, I said, well, and I hadn't, wasn't thinking about what we had prayed or anything. And I said, hey, you know, there's this loop. You want to drive around this loop? And she's like, no, it's okay. We can go back. You know, I know you got to go home and prepare for the weekend. And I said, well, okay, well, I kind of want to do it. Let's do it. So we go, and we're driving on this loop. It's a one-way loop around a nature area. And um, we're driving <clears throat> past a few cars, taking pictures, because if you want to know where the ponies are, you just look for stop cars. And they'll have, like, a telephoto lens, and they're looking for the ponies. And uh, so... We drive past them, and all of a sudden, we, we drive past this, like, they have uh, bike paths and, like, walkways all through this whole thing. I don't know if you've ever been there, but it's a beautiful, beautiful place. And uh, I'd love to go back and jog and ride my bike. And uh, so we're driving. All of a sudden, we see all these, like, people walking down this pathway. The sun is just setting behind them, so you can't see them really well. And I thought, oh, that's, that's funny, you know? It's not that fast of a speed limit. It's like 20 miles an hour, so not going that fast. And I look, and I thought, oh, that's funny, and... And uh, I'm thinking, processing it, and I thought, but it almost looked like they were on horses. And Melody said, oh, back up, back up. So we back up, and it's like 15 or 20 ponies walking down a walking path. <laughs> so we parked the car right at the edge of the walking path, and uh, my daughter, Evie, is the one that she really wants the pony and likes all that, and the boys like it too, but not like she does. So her and my wife get out, and um, they stand by the edge, and the ponies just come right by them, and they're like four feet from them, all these pony after pony after pony after pony. So they got their answer to their prayer, which was a blessing from the Lord. And, uh, you know, but we had taught a little lesson on, um, you know, say it, believe it, do it, tell it. And so we did that, and then we did it. And uh, it wasn't just on that. It was more focused on attitude, an attitude of gratitude. Uh, but, um, you know, while we're there, uh, we stayed at a, a hotel, and um, the hotels there, they're really nice. They're not that expensive, but they're right on the water. And so we had, like, a waterfront hotel with a balcony that you go out on, and, you know, for, like, I don't know what it was, like, uh, I think it was less than 100 no, it was 100 because we had to get a bigger room. It was, like, $139 or something, but not a bad price. So, um, so that was good. Well... <laughs> The next morning we got up and um, we're eating breakfast and uh, uh, my wife had inadvertently uh, went to get some uh, English muffins. She put an English muffin in, cooking, and then another lady was there and she tried to uh, put her muffins on top of my wife's muffins in the toaster. And she was a little bit, you know, like, oh, what's going on? She seemed a little confused, this other lady. And so she finally ended up putting in, in this other toaster. And then I was going around looking for some food. And when I'm looking for uh, just to see what they have, the lady was kind of like, like uh, protective of her English muffins. And I wasn't after her English muffins. I was just looking. So I'm looking. And she's like, you know, uh, you know yeah, I don't know why they're not cooking. And she was really kind of distraught. And um, so I sit down, and I'm eating. Next thing I know, uh, this lady just gets really upset. <laughs> and my wife's over there, and I thought, what in the world is going on? And uh, she's like, where did my muffins go? Where did my muffins go? Not my wife, this lady. And she's like, she had lost it. And I thought, what in the world is going on there? And um, 
my wife had taken her muffins. <laughs> and uh, she didn't realize because she, my wife went over and looked, and she went to look for her muffins, but she couldn't see them because they were pressed down so far. Because <laughs> I think the lady had pressed them when she tried to put her muffins in there. So she thought, when she saw the lady doing that, she thought, oh, she must be trying to take my muffins. So she thought she took her muffins and put them in the other toaster. So she went to the other toaster and got her muffins. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was quite a little thing. And so I um, uh, probably should have just not said anything. But instead, I, I just said something about perhaps uh, considering to act your age. And uh, she didn't appreciate that very much. So what I'm trying to say is that we're not all perfect. And we're supposed to count it all joy when we face trials of many kinds. And um, depending on your, your um, maybe personality in life, you are more affected or less affected by uh, things that people say, but words are actually very powerful. And so, you know, I was, I was a little disappointed in myself for not taking it as an opportunity to help this lady because she was obviously very stressed and uh, her husband didn't look like he wasn't in that good of health, you could tell, and she's, you know, she had, was having a rough day already at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock in the morning, whatever time it was. Um, but James says here, count it all joy when you fall into tests and trials. He doesn't say that it is joy, right? That didn't feel like a joy. And, um, you know, whenever our rocket didn't get to launch, it didn't feel like a joy. Uh, and I'm using like kind of benign examples, but you might find out that uh, you experience some very difficult things in life and uh, times when it's really too serious to have joy. Uh, C.S. Lewis said uh, that heaven conducts its most serious business in an atmosphere of joy. So really, if it's really serious, we should have the most joy. And uh, the Bible actually says that God sits in the heavens and he laughs. And Jesus had the oil of joy above his fellows, is what King James says. In other words, above everyone around him, Jesus was the most joyful person. And, um, you know, it's actually a challenge to find a picture or a painting of Jesus where he's joyful and laughing. And a church I came from in Michigan, they had found one or somebody gave them one and they had the laughing Jesus, you know. And um, I'm not actually too big on pictures of Jesus, but um, if you had one, it'd be nice to have a laughing one. <laughs> And a lot of times we get so holy that we forget the oil of joy. And, you know, uh, Romans uh, chapter 14, I think it's verse 17, says, The kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so we like to talk about, actually, we like to talk about all of it, but what gets talked about more than joy is righteousness and peace which are very vital. Um, you know, if you're not right with God or in right standing with God, uh, you know, basically you feel like you can't approach him. And that's really where most of uh, the unsaved world is at. And actually, probably most of the saved world is there. Because uh, the things that we know that we have been taught, uh, very few people actually know that. That's why we need to, you know, get the message out, get as many people telling people as we can, because if any man is in Christ, he is the righteousness of God in Christ. 
because Christ took our unrighteousness, took our unholiness, took what, uh, where we didn't measure up, where we shouldn't be allowed into his office. We shouldn't be allowed to come near him because we're too unholy, too unrighteous. All of that stuff, because we couldn't do enough, Christ took all of that and said, you know what? I know you couldn't do it. Like I saw people for years and decades and <laughs> uh, centuries trying and trying and trying and failing. So I made a way where there wasn't a way. The, the miracle of that never ceases to amaze me. I love to sit and meditate on the fact that the, the Bible talks about a chasm between um, you know, hell and paradise. And I think of the chasm that had to be crossed by Jesus Christ to get mankind to God. And because if I was brought up in Christian in a Christian home in Christian circles and received the Lord at a young age, it's easy for me to take for granted like Christ died so that I could live. But, uh, you know, I was in a denominational church for years and uh, I used to pray uh, when I was in the military down in Georgia. I used to pray every Sunday morning in the church auditorium for the services, those type of things, and had some pretty awesome experiences. And one of the times I just saw, I had a spiritual vision, and I saw this great gulf between mankind being lost and mankind being with God. And I saw this, and I still can't put it into words to this day. I remember Dad Hagen used to tell us, he said, you know, spiritual things are difficult to describe in the natural. He said, he, and then he would say, like, how could you explain to an Eskimo what a tree looked like if he had never seen one? Like, how can you describe it? And so um, just that's how revelation is so many times. The Lord brings you understanding, brings you revelation, and you start to see something, and you realize, well, this was impossible. This was not possible. But with man, it's impossible. But with God, nothing's impossible. So he made a way through Jesus Christ where there was no way. But Jesus Christ is that way. And he made a way for us so that we could be the righteousness of God in Christ. So the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace. You know, we look at, the, especially today, like a world without peace. People are, are searching uh, for peace. And I think, you know, they watch the news and get more uh, in turmoil because the, the news, I wonder sometimes if they should label it like bad news. <laughs> <laughs> Although I did, I did a couple weeks ago, I don't remember what it was, but there was a good story. <laughs> Amongst like 25 bad ones, there was a good one. And um, so some, sometimes the stations will work something in there uh, where it's actually good news. But uh, so righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So um, joy is something that we oftentimes... A neglect, or maybe we only think about it in December or those times of year or when we're happy because joy is not happiness. Although joy will produce happiness, happiness and joy are not the same thing. So James says, count it all joy. And um, really it says reckon. I like a translation that says reckon it joy because reckon is such a modern word. <laughs> reckon is an accounting term. And so if you're an accountant or you're doing accounting stuff, um, I think in spreadsheets a lot of times. So you take the spreadsheet and you count it up. Like uh, maybe Christmas is coming up, so you're doing your Christmas presents. 
How much did this one cost? How much did this one cost? How much did this one cost? Here's my budget for Christmas. Here's my, how much I can spend. And so I'm going to count it up. And can I get this for the kids? Can I not get this for the kids? How can I, let me swap this and this. And so James doesn't say, it's all joy when you face many trials. Be happy about it. It's full of joy. He says, count it joy. Say, this is joy. And like I said, uh, Beckley's translation says maximum joy. So the most joy you can think of. And joy, you know, it's kind of like thankfulness. Uh, it can be like thankfulness. Joy, you have to choose to be joyful. Right? Sometimes the oil of joy will come on you from the Lord. There's actually like laughing in the spirit and dancing in the spirit and uh, those joyful actions. But even many times when those come, we have to act before we receive and before we experience. So you can be sitting in a room. I remember we traveled with Dad Hagen for the last two years of his, actually I traveled a little longer than that, but anyhow, the last couple of years he was ministering here on the earth. And um, I, we'd be in meetings and people would just be experiencing the joy of the Lord. And um, people could be sitting the next row behind them and they're just like, you know, I can't do it because when you try not to smile, I smile. <laughs> But, you know, imagine me not smiling. <laughs> They're not smiling. And, uh, you know, uh, I remember he'd always say, he'd always say, you might as well get in and enjoy it. They think you're one of us anyhow. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because some people are like, oh, I'm embarrassed and that and everything. And, you know, um, they, uh, he had a meeting, I think it was him, down in um, Texas at a church, and there was about, I think the auditorium said about 1,000 people, but they had like 4,000 people show up, so they had a couple like overflow rooms. I wasn't at this particular meeting, but I was at meetings where we had to do the same thing, and so they, which is bring in portable air conditioners. So they brought in, this church brought in portable air conditioners in order to keep everybody cool enough because uh, they were over capacity for what their cooling systems in the, those extra rooms were, and even probably in the main auditorium. So they hired a company to come bring these systems in. And there's a guy there that's running these air conditioning systems. And so he finally says, after the services, he says, man, I have never been to church like this before in my life. My church is boring and drab. I'm coming back to this church. Because people were laughing and dancing and rejoicing and enjoying the Lord. And um, it's funny that um, you can... Uh, testify for the devil on the behalf of the devil and tell everybody how much the devil's doing and what's the, what the devil's doing. And a lot of times church people will pat you on the back and say, I know it, I know it. It's so bad. Things are rough and everybody's getting sick and pat you on the back. And if you start to have some joy and rejoicing in service, uh, you get criticized <laughs> by the same people. Uh, uh, don't you laugh. Don't you laugh in church, right? So count it all joy when you fall into uh, many kinds of tests and trials. Why can you count it joy? Because you know this, right? Verse 3. The Bible really answers itself. We want to sometimes go like, where is this book? Let me get a commentary. Let me figure it out. But the next verse says, uh, it says, count it all joy, comma. There's a pause there. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience. Right? So you're in the midst of this going on, and you're kind of like... Um, you know, what is happening? And, you know, as the thing goes, when you're uh, speaking, uh, I assume you all have probably done some speaking in a Bible study or someplace, but if you haven't, you know, you have tremendous opportunities normally before, during, or after the message to practice what you're preaching. So it'd be nice, like, 
it wouldn't be nice really, but you think in your flesh it would be nice if you could just get up and preach and not have the challenge. Like you speak on love week after week, you, you really have to walk in love. And um, I've noticed for my own self, when I first started ministering, that normally right after I preached, I'd have like the greatest challenges on what I preached. And then the longer I preached, the more messages I preached, it became like, like right before. And then now that I've been pastoring, not for very long at all, but where you're doing messages every single week, it's like before the message. Like I'm like experiencing all this stuff and I'm kind of like, oh my goodness. So you kind of feel like the Lord lays a message on your heart. Like, do I really want to preach? (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Lord, I'll do it. Um, But that comes from a lack of understanding of the word of God and a lack of understanding of what your tests and trials that you go through, what they really produce. It comes from, uh, I'm speaking not of you, I'm speaking of me because I experienced some stuff, right? Um, uh, It comes from being too focused on the tests and trials and not focused on the result or the possible result of the tests and trials or the, what could happen because of the tests and trials. So before I, before I uh, get into that a little more, um, do you guys pray the Ephesians prayers? What about the one in Colossians? Colossians. Let's look at the Colossians prayer real quick. I want to read that. Colossians chapter 1, uh, verse 9, I think is where it starts. Yeah. I like to pray this prayer, especially if you're um, uh, at a point in life or you have friends or people that you know in a point in life when they're kind of searching the will of God, what should I do, what should I be doing? Paul says to the Colossians, for this cause, um, you know, just to tag on to last week a little bit, again, you read these prayers and you pray them and pray them and pray them. If you look at the verse right before, he says, talking about your love, and then all of a sudden he wants to pray. So... Um, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, don't cease to pray for you. So since the day I heard of your love in the Spirit, I'm praying for you constantly. Every time I think about you, I'm praying for you. A lot of times we'll think about people and say, you know, I'll call them on the phone and say, you know, I've been thinking about you. Well, you might consider praying for me. Uh, Because when you're born again, you're recreated on the inside. You're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Actually, You've been born, Jesus said, um, to Nicodemus. You know, Nicodemus said, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb? And uh, Jesus said, when you're born, born from above, literally it says, that you're born of the Spirit. God's a spirit. And that you're born of the Spirit. So your spirit is made born of God. And um, when you're a new creature in Christ Jesus, Uh, you have to learn to let your spirit dominate you. Our whole life it's been like, uh, really before that, your spirit is uh, sinful and your spirit was kind of in communion with the devil, so you don't want your spirit to dominate you. But now when you're born again, you want the spirit to dominate you. and You want to put the body under and you renew your your mind with the word of God. And um, so he says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, don't cease to pray for you and desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. See, because your voice and my voice have power in this realm, this world that we live in. Your voice makes a difference, and my voice makes a difference. And not just in my life, but in uh, 
non-believers' lives and in believers' lives. So when those things come up in our spirit, uh, it's for a reason. A lot of times you might be in a service where uh, an anointing comes. An anointing comes and, you know, different people will have different reactions. But the Holy Spirit just doesn't come just to be there. He's here for a reason. He's there for a reason. And um, so we want to learn to follow him and to yield to him. And um, we're going to actually start out the year or shortly there in January. We're going to um, be uh, doing a series on being led by the Spirit of God. And I'm so excited about that series and doing some preparations for it now and just having a big time, <laughs> having a good time. Uh, but he's praying, and he's praying for them that they may be filled with the knowledge of God's will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that they may walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, in verse 10 there, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father who's made us able to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. So verse 12, excuse me, verse 11, he's praying for them that they may be strengthened with all might, mighty power, God's mighty power, according to his glorious power. And here's the part I want to focus on that goes back with James. Unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. You actually, you find in the word of God, patience and, and, and uh, um, long suffering together. Many times you'll find them in the, in the same instance. So, I lost my page there. In James, we see knowing this, that the trying of your faith works patience, but let patience have her perfect worth that you may be entire, perfect and entire, wanting nothing. So, of course, you guys know that I love uh, William Barclay, his translation. So there's a word uh, and I'm not a Greek person. I'm learning more and more Greek all the time. But the way I would pronounce this word from the Greek is hupomon. And it's endurance. It's patience. Um, it's the word for patience in James chapter 3 and endurance over there in Colossians. I want to give you this uh, definition from William Barclay. It's not easy to capture the richness or the depth of this expression with a single word in English. It does not describe the frame of mind which can sit down with folded hands and bowed head and let a torrent of troubles sweep over it in passive resignation. It describes the ability to bear things in such a triumphant way that it transfigures them. So you're actually bearing things in such a way that they are changed or your view of them changes. So we think... Uh, you know, just endure in American English culture a lot of times. Well, just endure it. Like, just, just deal with it. And, you know, people are going to, like, people spit on Jesus. They're going to spit on you. Just endure it. That's not what the Bible's saying. <clears throat> it transfigures them. Uh, um, it is the process. Well, let me read this part. It is the courageous and triumphant ability to pass the breaking point and not to break and always to greet the unseen with a cheer, right? Paul's saying, count it all joy when you face these trials. He's not saying they are joy. He's saying, count it all joy. Why count it joy? Because these trials, these tests, these problems, these things that are coming at you produce this. It's the ability, 
the courageous and triumphant ability to pass the breaking point and not to break, and to always greet the unseen with a cheer. It is the process which changes the very nature of tribulation into strength and glory. The testing of our faith. Right? So, like I said, we see like a test coming, or you're like, I'm preparing for a message, and maybe a message on love, and you know, all of us can grow lots in love, and you think, oh boy, here comes this test. Well, really, I should come up a little higher, right? You should come up a little higher. We should come up a little higher and say, okay, bring it on, because this is actually adding something to me. This is putting me in a place to prepare for something that I'm called to do that the Lord needs me to be equipped to do. So this testing of my faith that's coming is good for me. So I'm looking forward to it. And then you come, and that's really what uh, you know, David would call and Paul would call a spirit of faith. We have that same spirit of faith. We believe, therefore, have we spoken. And, you know, he, you know, killed a lion, killed a bear, you know, killed a Philistine because he had a spirit of faith. I cannot be defeated. You know, I'm not going to quit, not going to be defeated. You know, bring it on. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine who dares to defy my God? Uh, amazing. When you get a spirit of faith, you tap into that spirit of faith, and really every born-again believer has a spirit of faith. We just have to yield to that spirit of faith. <clears throat> so let patience or hoopamone have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing or lacking nothing. Um, and perfect just means, you know, you could be like... Um, if you are an expert in your career field, like, you know, uh, I hesitate to say this because he was like spiritual father, but Brother Hagen was so, he had ministered for 69 years before he went to heaven. Uh, he started ministering when he was, uh, just before his 19th birthday, when he was 18 years old. And uh, a lot of people, uh, not a lot of people, but some people like to say, well, uh, I have gone beyond uh, Brother Hagen, and I know all this, and I know all that. Well, Brother Hagin's a man, and people can go beyond Brother Hagin, but based on my knowledge of their life, they hadn't really gone beyond Brother Hagin. <laughs> Normally, that is an excuse to criticize somebody else, and they want to say, like, put them down so they'll put, you know, I'll put myself up higher. And uh, I like to say, listen, come and talk to me when you've been in ministry for 69 and a half years, and you haven't committed adultery, and you haven't stolen money, and you've been faithful, and you've been honest, and you've had the kind of results he had. <clears throat> Then if you want to contradict it, you know, then maybe I'll pay attention. But still has to line up with the word. <clears throat> but um, it's that kind of perfection. It's like you're a master in your career field, you could think of. So that you may be perfect and a master, wanting nothing, right? So, so that you can reach that level. So these tests, these trials are developing us. They're not like chipping away at us stealing from us, making us weaker. They're actually making us stronger. Um, they have the potential to make us stronger if we obey the word, which is counted all joy. Um, that we may be in uh, perfect, mature, and entire, wanting nothing. Uh, entire wanting nothing is like perfect in every way. So you look at this part of your life, and 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 you've you're perfect and entire. It actually has to do with, uh, you know, when they talk about refining gold. And so if you're going to refine gold, you're going to remove the impurities. So these tests and these trials work to remove impurities 
that we have, that we haven't laid at the feet of Jesus, so that we can say, okay, I'm going to count this all joy. And I know, um, you know, it's easy to say, hallelujah, praise the Lord, when like you've got money left over, when your check comes in, when all of your family is getting along. My children are getting to an age where they're learning to get along. (laughs) Um, But that's a small thing. My kids are small. But imagine when you have like adult family members who don't want to talk to each other, who don't like to be with each other, who all they care about is inheritance money, who they just are self-centered and looking at themselves, who, you know, maybe you're at an age or a place in life where you have kids who have kids, and your kids who have kids are not raising their kids right because they're too self-centered, because they don't care, because this, that, or whatever. These tests, these trials come, and really, um, the devil wants to use them to knock you off what you believe, to knock me off what I believe, because if he can knock me off what I believe, in other words, uh, all of the commandments, everything we're supposed to do is fulfilled in one, right? Love. So if you're going to sin, that means you have to get out of love. If you don't get out of love, you're not going to sin. Well, we know, and if you don't know, we can tell you or your friends can tell you that you're not perfect and I'm not perfect. So we don't like walk in perfect love, but we have perfect love that we can tap into, the love of God. Love the way God has it. And I think about that. We've talked about love uh, several uh, last several weeks, that we can love the way God loves. Just think about that for a second. We can love the way God loves. We can forgive the way God forgives. How does God forgive? Complete, right? He wipes it, puts it in the, drowns it in the sea of forgetfulness, casts it as far as the east is from the west. So that's how far he removes our uh, iniquities, our sins from us, our mistakes. Uh, We can forgive the same way. We should forgive the same way. And actually, the only way we can forgive is to forgive with the love of God and the forgiveness of God. We tap into that. Otherwise, we'll kind of be like, well, I'm going to forgive you, but I'm never going to forget it. And I'm going to remind you of it. And, uh, you know, until Jesus comes, I'll remind you of it. But the love of God does not do that. God doesn't say, oh, yeah, I knew you were going to mess up again, remember? You just did that last week. Or, you know, you just did that last year. Or you're just like your mother. You're just like your father. That's not how the love of God is. So knowing this, that the trying of our faith, the testing of our faith, works patience or hoopamone, endurance, and it's the ability to turn... uh, testing into glory, the ability to turn this test into something good and um, something that's actually added to you. That's where you talk about being perfect, becoming mature, become a a master at this, uh, an entire wanting nothing, lacking nothing. That is good news Uh, because all of us, uh, if you've been alive for any length of time and paid any sort of attention to life, you know that... um, Uh, You can be born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking in other tongues, on fire for God, and you're going to have tests, you're going to have trials. Everything's not going to go perfect. Like Brother Higgins says, everything's not going to fall on you like ripe cherries off of a tree. It's not just going to 
happening. It just falls in place like that. But the time when it's time to lift our voice, to be joyful, and to praise the Lord is actually in the midst of the test and in the midst of the trial. Because you can have everything going perfect and sing praise to the Lord and glorify God, and um, it's not that big of a challenge. But when things are going wrong and it seems like nothing's working, that's faith. That's when you're, okay, Lord, I'm latching on to you no matter what. And I'm trusting you no matter what. And I don't know about you, but I have had in my life uh, and had the opportunity really to praise the Lord from my voice with tears running down my face, not tears of joy, but, you know, tears of anguish. And you just praise God right through it. And there's something about praising God that sets the captives free. You know, I think about um, Acts chapter 16, verse 25, where Paul and Silas are in prison at midnight. Their feet are in stocks. Their hands are bound. And um, I like, Pastor Mark says, you know, uh, you should have taken my mouth shut, devil, because you got my feet, you got my arms, but you didn't get my mouth. And so they begin uh, uh, praising the Lord and magnifying the Lord. And, you know, to make a long story short, their bands were loose and they were set free. And if you look at Second Chronicles chapter 20, um, with uh, children of Israel and the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir came down against them. And so they went and they consulted the Lord. And the Lord said, okay, I want you to send the praisers out first. Send the praisers out ahead of you. And so they did. Before the guys that were trained to fight, they sent the people that were trained to worship the Lord. I don't want to say trained to sing because they were probably trained to sing, but there's a difference between singing and worshiping the Lord, right? Because you can be a singer and be more into yourself than you are into the Lord and want to draw attention to yourself and performance. That's not what we're talking about. That's not what the Bible's talking about. They sang to the Lord, and they actually said, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And they started marching, for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. For the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. And so they're doing this in the midst of a battle that looked like they were going to flat lose terrible. Like the circumstances are not on their side. What they see, what they hear, uh, besides from the uh, word of the Lord, is, con is contradicting what the word of the Lord says. So the word of the Lord says, count it all joy because it's going like, to add this to you. It's going to strengthen you. It's going to help you. And I'm in the midst of this, and I'm kind of like, this doesn't feel like it. Sure doesn't feel like it. Well, that's the best time to just gather, muster all the strength that you can and say, okay, Lord, you've got to strengthen me in this because I certainly don't feel like doing this and say, praise God, glory to God. Thank you for this. This is going to be good for me. I'm going to grow in this. I'm going to do better in this. I'm going to launch out from this. I'm not going to be defeated. I'm going to turn this into glory. Think about that, turning it into glory. So the devil... Uh, remember the verse uh, in the Bible that says, what the devil meant for evil, God turned for good? So the devil's trying to take this opportunity, or he's trying to take this circumstance, or he's trying to take this person that's like listening to him and mouthing his words, and use it to destroy you and to destroy me, to destroy your family, to destroy your workplace, uh, to destroy your country. But God takes those things and turns it for good. But how does God work in the earth today? He works through you and he works through me. 
So if we can find a woman or we can find a man who will stand up with the word of God and say, no, I'm not going to allow this and just start praising God. What happened in 2 Chronicles chapter 20? The Lord sent ambushments and actually the enemy killed themselves. The Lord even said, you're not going to have to fight in this battle. Go stand and see the salvation of the Lord. So our job is to praise God, to put our focus on the Lord and what he has done. And the Lord's job is to take care of the battle. The battle is not yours. God said it's mine. There's a, there's a song like that. I don't, that's the only part of it I know, so I'm not going to sing it for you. <laughs> I don't think I'll sing it for you. And the Bible then says that they were three days in gathering up the leftovers, the spoils, you call it, the spoils of war. They were three days gathering up all this stuff because there was so much. Three days. So if you and I take some time and just tap into the joy of the Lord and praising the Lord, you know, laughing, dancing, rejoicing, they're all expressions of joy, you'll find yourself gathering in the spoil, gathering in the abundance of God, what the devil meant for evil and to destroy you, God turns for so much good that you actually have abundance when the devil wanted to take everything you had. You actually end up with more than what you imagined possible. So my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations or tests and trials, knowing this, that the testing of your faith works patience. Uh, but let patience have her perfect worth, work that you may be uh, perfect and entire, lacking or wanting nothing. My uh, sissy, I, I kind of joy that my iPad is so full I can't put anything else on it. So I have to use my little phone. <laughs> uh, and then I think I'll end with this. Psalm 126. Psalm 126, um, if you guys uh, had experienced the ministry of Dad Hagen in the last few years of his life, you probably know this scripture by heart. Psalm 126. Verse uh, 1 through 3. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, or the non-Christians, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, whereof we're glad. So when the Lord turns your captivity or my captivity, what does that mean? Well, you know, Smith Wigglesworth said in his book, Ever Increasing Faith, like the very first chapter, I think it might even be the first page, he said, any man can be changed by faith, no matter how he may be fettered or bound or like chained up, like you know, I think of somebody totally like laying down and chained in every way. And uh, any man, any woman, any person can be changed by faith, no matter what's holding you down, no matter what's holding you back, no, how, no matter how big your mountain is. And I think when the Lord turned again the captivity, have you ever had the Lord turn your captivity? You know, I went, uh, had a little bit of a challenge last year with uh, some different issues and, um, you know, we're not magnifying the devil, but uh, apparently when you go to plant a church, the devil's not real excited about it. And so uh, the Lord turned my captivity. And 
what the devil had tried to uh, hinder and hold back, the Lord turned. Just, he turned it. I didn't turn it. Now, in the midst of that, uh, uh, I was praising the Lord. I was glorifying God uh, when it didn't feel like it. When, you know, you've had different experiences in life. So sometimes you, you have um, maybe like uh, a cloud will come over you. Maybe it uh, feels like a depression or it feels like um, disappointment or um, uh, feels like the end. And then you start praising the Lord and that thing will start to lift, 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 lift. And, uh, but then, you know, in this particular experience, uh, some stuff started coming over me and I would praise the Lord and it wasn't, didn't, didn't feel like it was lifting. And, you know, that's when you're like, okay, what, what do I believe? What do I not believe? So what do you do? You just keep praising the Lord, right? I mean, I always check on the inside, Lord, like, is there something else I'm supposed to command or do because we have authority? Uh, but no, it was just actually adding to me. This patient endurance was helping me to be perfect and entire, wanting nothing because uh, there's some stuff coming that uh, there needs to be some tenacity there needs to be some stick There needs to be some, I don't know a better way to say it, but oomph. You know, that you're like not just going to like keel over when something else comes your way. And um, it's not always enjoyable <laughs> to go through that and be like, oh, this is great. But when we change our perspective or just focus our perspective on count it all joy, so then you're praising the Lord in the midst of tears. You're glorifying God no matter what you see, no matter what you feel, because he's ultimately the one that you're accountable to, that I'm accountable to, that I want to please. And he's the one that's going to change it. Because if you get into any type of situation um, that's difficult, it's, uh, at least for me, it's easy to come to the end of your ability like real quick. And you're like, whoa, this is bigger than me. And... You know, God would not design a plan for your life, uh, his best plan for your life, that you could do without him. Right? Faith requires us to trust God, to hold on to God. So God's plan for your life and God's plan for my life is a plan of faith. Without faith, Hebrews uh, 11.6 says, it's impossible to please God. And God wants you to please him and he wants me to please him. And he made it easy for us to please him. He said, just walk in faith. Just live in faith. Just trust me. Just believe me. And um, the time when it's difficult to walk in faith is when we're trying to do things in our own power, which is not faith. So uh, he gave to every one of us the measure of faith that we can develop, that we can grow in, and that we can walk in. So when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. And then other people said, looking from the outside, whoa, the Lord's done some awesome things for them. Like that example I was telling you about that guy that uh, did the air conditioning systems. He's like, I never went to church like that before. I want to go to a church like that. And, uh, you know, where they're laughing and rejoicing and dancing and enjoying the presence of the Lord. And um, so uh, as we close, if you'll stand with me. Father, we thank you for, uh, for <clears throat> being among us as we come to learn from you, as we come to... Uh, worship you as we come to uh, grow in our walk with you. Father, we pray for each and every person here and listening, Father, that uh, as we go this week that you would 
Give us opportunities to speak for you, to minister for you. Father, we thank you for your anointing. We thank you for your grace, and we thank you for your great mercy. Father, we pray that as we look and see people in our lives, that we would see the way you see them, that we would love the way that you love, that we would give the way that you give. Father, I pray for each and every family that's here that's represented. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over all of our families, over our, our hearts and our minds and our bodies and everything that concerns us. Father, we thank you for what he has done. We thank you that you see us through the blood, that you see us through what Christ has done. And Father, we thank you for your great love and your great mercy and your great joy. Thank you for the oil of joy. Thank you that no matter what's going on in our life, that we can choose to tap into your joy. Father, we, we thank you. Thank you for uh, laughter in the Spirit. Thank you for rejoicing in the Spirit. Thank you for strength in the Spirit, Father, that affects our hearts, minds, and bodies. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.